Oh, that's funny. Very good. Well, um, it should be no surprise to you that I have a story tonight about someone who also had a Christmas wish. And spoiler alert, she got what she was asking for. Her name was Anna. And before I tell you her story, I want to share a little bit about the gift she was waiting for. So as you're reading scripture, something you can always be looking for is repeated words or phrases. The author is often trying to draw your attention towards maybe a structure in, in what he's writing or maybe like a message behind the words. But if you find things that are repeated, odds are that's a good thing to start to dig into. Um, the last time I'll ask you to participate, but I'm going to ask you to participate again. Anyone have any guesses on the five most common repeated words throughout scripture? Think hard. Not fear not, but that's a good one. Not and or the, don't give me those answers. No. Not grace. God is one. Not Jesus. I thought so too. It's not love. Spirit's a good guess, but no. Karen? Lord is one. Faith is not one. Um, so they are in order Lord, God, man, Israel, and people. So each one of those words racks up several thousand occurrences across the Old uh, and New Testament. But tonight, I want to talk about the word arise. It only has 750 occurrences throughout the Old and New Testament, so not as good of a showing as our top five, but still, still, it, it still holds its ground. It is a rather diverse word. It depends on the context that it's in or the verb tense that it's written in as to what it means. Um, uh, so it could have different translations or connotations. And to be honest, the most common understanding of the word is just when someone stands up from sitting. Like, it's not super theological, but we'll, we'll get into that. Or it also is used in the case of Lazarus rising from the dead, but that's the only occurrence I found from someone rising from the dead. Moses uses this word a lot, uh, and it's in his re, um, re retelling of the, the law for the second time. Uh, and just sharing Israel's story from that point in Deuteronomy. God commands Joshua to arise and consecrate Israel because she was a contaminated people uh, no longer seeking to follow that law. We see the command to arise in many of the accounts of the judges, Deborah, Gideon, Samson. Uh, in Ruth's story, it's used as she and Naomi seek out someone to provide for them after their husbands have died. And this act is particularly important to the lineage of Jesus. Over and over and over again, we see it throughout the prophets, either God calling his prophets to arise and go to the nations, or the prophets telling the people to arise and turn back to the Lord. It's used in the prophet Jonah, who is my personal favorite. Uh, it's, uh, he's told in the beginning to rise and go to Nineveh. He doesn't listen. And then he's told again, arise and go. And as we fast forward 400 years from the time of the prophets, we find this command in the Gospels. When Jesus calls his disciples, when he tells healed people to arise and go, your faith has made you well. Uh, when he's teaching his disciples to arise, or when he's asking his disciples to arise and pray in his last few hours, or when he speaks of the prophecy that the Messiah would suffer, and die and rise on the third day. So as you can see, this word is used a lot 
in, as a command from God to his people to either physically or metaphorically arise from their current state and go to serve or judge or prophesy or pray. And I have to think that with how much this word is used, right, like over 700 times, I have to believe that we have a patient God who is slow to anger. So many of us get frustrated or angry at how many times you have to tell the dog to stop barking or tell the toddler to quit eating that Play-Doh or tell the teenager to put their dishes in the dishwasher. My, young, my, my younger sisters and I were particularly bad at that one, uh, putting dishes in the dishwasher. We would leave containers in our lunchboxes for so long that they would grow so much mold that we would call them science experiments, so they got pretty bad. But command after command and chance after chance, God calls his people to something higher. Reformation towards something more sacred to arise. And every time we fail or fall short, he asks us again and again. But I, I took notice that never once do we see the Father commanding Jesus to arise and go. Because his name is Emmanuel, God with us. Not God commanded to be with us. The promise was made long ago that the Creator would join the created to bring restoration and redemption to a longing world. Fred Sanders from Christianity Today says, Adoration for who Jesus is, rather than thanksgiving for what he does, is the secret of the strange hush that steals over us at the center of this holiday. Because he is Emmanuel, God with us. I've yet to read a story in the Bible that doesn't point my heart back to Hagar's statement, Ata el Rai, you are the God who sees me. Not out of obligation does Jesus come. We celebrate Jesus, we celebrate Christmas for who Jesus is and his very nature, his nature to be with his people, to show them extraordinary acts of love and commitment. Think about this a God who is perfect, constant, merciful. He sees me, his little creation, and by his very nature is guiding me as I journey. Not commanded to be, not forced to be, but Emmanuel. He's Emmanuel because he sees you, and he loves you. He humbled himself to a feeding trough because he cherishes you that much. None of this is because of a command. It's simply because who God is. Theologian Jen Rossner says, let us be open to God entering our lives and let us embrace that God showing up may not look exactly like we would have imagined. God didn't have to tell Jesus, arise and go to my people. He simply went. I don't think any of us now or then, honestly, could have in totality predicted exactly how God would be Emmanuel. So often he takes us by surprise. But scripture does actually tell us about a few people that were so diligent in praying for the coming Messiah that they knew exactly who Jesus was the moment their eyes laid upon him. They knew Emmanuel. So let me tell you about Anna, one of those people. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, 
verses 22 through 40. It's a long one, so stick with me, but it's a, it's a good story. Scripture says this, When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, which was a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was commanded under the law, Simeon took him in his arms And he praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to all people in Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Funal of the tribe of Asher. And was of men, she was of a great age, having lived with her husband for seven years after marriage and then as a widow until the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At the moment she came and began, at that moment she came and she began to praise God, speaking about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong filled with wisdom, and the, and the favor of God was upon them. Amen. So there are a few things that I want to make sure we note in this passage. The first, if we look back earlier on to what I was reading, to verse 24, we learn that Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple where Mary had to offer sacrifice. She's there to offer sacrifice because that's what was commanded of her in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 12 6 through 8, actually dictates that, there had, that she had to bring a sacrificial lamb to offer for the birth of her son. And if you couldn't afford the sacrificial lamb, you could bring two doves or two pigeons. So let it not be lost on us that Mary couldn't afford a lamb for sacrifice, all the while holding the lamb for the world in her arms. A couple that could only afford two birds was the richest family in the world. And that wealth gets passed along to you and me today. Not wealth that will pay your mortgage or for college, but one that can carry your soul into eternity. Second, once they entered the temple and encountered Simeon, he, like Anna, 
knew the Messiah the second he laid eyes on him. So if we know our Old Testament and do a little bit of math, we're able to figure out that Jesus would have been 40 days old when he was presented at the temple to be dedicated to the Lord. In this account, we learn that Simeon was righteous and devout, um, and he was led to the temple that day by the Holy Spirit. He was one of the very few that encountered the baby Jesus and was able to understand what was happening. His devotion to the Lord and commitment in studying the sacred Hebrew texts prepared him to speak over this child the pain and glory that awaited his future. Not even Mary or Joseph fully grasped the weight of what was transpiring before their eyes. Dr. Thomas Constable says, if we only had Matthew and Mark's gospel, we might wonder if there were any in Jerusalem except for Jesus who understood the Old Testament correctly. Luke presented two so far who did, Zechariah and Simeon. As Simeon was with the family, sharing about these prophecies that would be fulfilled, we learn about Anna. Anna was a prophet, somewhere between the ages of 84 and 104, depending on how you translate the verse that talks about her age. We learned that she was married for seven years until her husband passed away, and from then on she remained single and completely devoted to the Lord. The text says that she spent night and day worshiping through prayer and fasting in the temple. And I want to make sure we hear this, that the text doesn't share that she was old just as an added description. From her age, we can learn that she spent somewhere around at least six decades solely devoted to worshiping her God. Can you imagine the joy in her heart as she's hearing Simeon talk about Jesus? As her eyes rested on the newborn king, her heart must have leapt for joy. Verse 38 says, At that moment, she began to praise God and speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. My friends, after decades of faithful devotion to the Lord, she is among the first to share about Emmanuel, about God with us. I think about our church and the women here that I so admire and I so look up to their devotion to Jesus. Chris Neme and Elizabeth Bennett come to my mind. So if Anna was in the temple night and day, Surely she would have, would have built some beautiful relationships with the community, with the people around her that were coming to offer sacrifice. And she was the one who got to share with them first, Emmanuel, God with us. Anna was ready to see her Messiah. Christmas is less than half an hour away. It's actually 12 minutes away. Are you ready to see your Messiah? And even further, we don't know the time of his second coming. Are you ready to hear those trumpets? Are your eyes fixed on Emmanuel? Are your words filled with praise? Is your mind set to things above? Let us take Anna's devotion and excitement for Emmanuel into Christmas this year and not hesitate to tell everyone about this beautiful gift. 
Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you tonight and thank you for this still peace that you have brought into this world. Be quick, God, to, to remind our hearts and our spirit that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us now and forever. Jesus, we praise you simply for who you are, that you are a God of love, that you are a God of peace and of mercy. Spirit, continue to be with us tonight and lead us into Christmas morning. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for loving us even more than that. Amen.